This morning, before I come into the message, I was, if you're like me, you take a little peep at the news, what's going on. Dead time in the office, you pull out your phone and scroll. And I happened to chance upon this. The Supreme Court lifts the hold on gay marriage in Kansas. Now, what does this have to do with God's immutability? The Bible says God created them, male and female. He created them. And in Genesis chapter 2 onwards, when God officiated the first wedding ceremony in the Garden of Eden, it was not Adam and Steve. It was Adam and Eve. So since the foundation of the world, God designed marriage to be between a man and a woman. And prior to this news article, Chief Justice Sotomayor put a hold. And it went to the Supreme Court, and unfortunately, the Supreme Court lifted the hold on gay marriage in the state of Kansas. There are still some other states who are holding out, not giving in to this. But why am I bringing it up? Some of you may come to church, and why is the pastor talking politics? Well, yes and no. Why? Look at what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. I remember maybe about 20 years ago that when America did something, the rest of the world followed. The position of the United States was so high in the eyes of the world that whatever America did, the rest followed. But today, you're free to agree or disagree with me. But because of what's happening in the American society today, America is becoming a reproach to other countries. Yes! America is becoming a reproach because of the denigration of society. Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a disgrace. Sin is a reproach to any people. This morning I'd like to speak on the righteousness of God. What is righteousness? Well, righteous, from which it's de derived, is defined as characterized by uprightness or morality. It's morally right. It's justifiable. Acting in an upright moral way or virtuous. If you like uh, to watch uh, movies about police and then it so happens that uh, the criminal was shot, they have the Internal Affairs Division to come in and to assess what happened to determine if it was a righteous kill. 
You know what I'm saying? If the policeman was justified in shooting the criminal who died. So even in the police, they, they do assess whether the action taken was appropriate, whether the action taken was justified. Again, going back to the news, there's going to be a decision coming out from the grand jury in Ferguson. Was the death of this young man justified? They're going to look into that. That's being righteous. But the attribute of God called righteousness means purity of heart and rectitude of life, conformity of heart and life to the divine law. It is nearly equivalent to holiness. Applied to God, the perfection or holiness of His nature, exact rectitude and faithfulness. Therefore, righteousness connotes that it comes with righteous deeds. It's not enough for you to be righteous positionally, to be in right thinking, to be in right standing. But when you act, your deeds should be aligned to who you are. You can be a righteous individual, but sin. Your sin is not an act of righteousness. Your sin is an act of disobedience. The attribute of God of righteousness is He is righteous. And as Psalm 145, 17 says, The Lord is righteous, what? In all His ways. And kind in all His deeds. Even the thing, the bad thing that's happening to you is allowed by God for a righteous purpose. We don't understand it. God allowed it. Therefore, God has a righteous purpose for allowing that into your life. Are you with me? God is righteous in all His ways. Before we continue, may I ask you to all stand and read from the book of Romans. Beginning with chapter 3, verse 10. Let's begin. As? God, thank you for the truth of your word. Yes, Lord God, you are righteous, and you are righteous in all your ways. Thank you, Lord God, that we can discuss and preach your word freely. And we pray, Lord God, and I pray that you speak to me and speak through me and that your word permeate the hearts of your people. For, Lord, apart from your Holy Spirit, Lord, we cannot do or understand anything that you've given to us. So use this, Lord God. Use your word to pierce our heart, cause us understanding that leads to obedience. As we give you back the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, what does the Bible say? The Lord is righteous in all his ways. If you paid attention to what you were reading, 
How does God's righteousness contrast with us? Huh? We're not. We're not. We are not. You, we may think we are. We may think we're good. But according to the word of God, we are not righteous. Only God is righteous. So much so that he said, what? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I don't know about you. But when I hear or see or read the word all, to me, it means I am included. To me, it means everyone. Ah, hindi ako sama dyan, Pastor. Does anyone here have a different definition of all? I'd like to meet you. Because all simply means all. God is righteous. We are not. Therefore, when God says, all have sinned, that includes you, that includes me. God says, all of us have sinned. Doesn't matter what you and I have done. In God's eyes, we're all sinners. And because of that sin, what has thus wrought? All have sinned and what? Fall short. I'm double dead. I'm already short and I fall short. <laughs> Man, what's up with this, God? I'm already short and I still fall short. I can't even play basketball. I can't reach the rim. What? All have sinned and fall short. So what do we do? We try to show God that we ought to go and be with Him in heaven. We go to church. We pay our tithe. We go to the group. We read our Bible. All kinds of good and godly stuff. Yes? But what does the Bible say? Ring the poem. The Bible says, it is written, there is what? None. Again. If the Bible says, all have sinned. And the Bible says, there is none. There's none righteous. No one makes the bar. No one makes the grade. And we try to do all kinds of stuff just to achieve the righteousness of God. God has already told us time and time again. God has already shown us time and time again by our actions as human beings that we are not righteous, that we are fallen. And because God has set eternity in the hearts of man, man tries to reach God. How? Through works. God, man desires to reach God through works. What do I mean? Romans chapter 4. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but what is due. When you go to work from the fifth, first day to the fifteenth day, what do you expect at the end of the cycle? 
Why? Your boss should just give you favor. You know my boss? Hey, very formal. Here, you call me in song. At work, they call me Lorenzo. Ah. Hey, Lorenzo. You work so, you know, you work so well, Monday through Friday. Why don't you, why don't you take Saturday and Sunday off? With pay. It's my right to take Saturday and Sunday off, right? So when you work, you expect to get paid. Yes? It's not a favor. You work for it. Therefore, you deserve it. Man tries to achieve the righteousness of God by his good works. But Ephesians chapter 2, 9 and 10 tells us that it is not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Therefore, doing good works should not allow us to get into heaven. Why? Because God designed us for a life of good works. It is our duty to live a life of good works. We cannot present to God a life of good works and say, God, because I did what you asked, therefore, I should be allowed to enter heaven. I should be able to achieve your righteousness because I did what you told me to do. I've shared this illustration before. If you got pulled over by the policeman for running a red light, can you tell the policeman, but sir, the eight other lights that I passed before this last light, I did not violate. So why are you giving me a ticket for this one light that I violated? The eight previous ones, I went through without problem. This is the only one that I passed through that was red. Why are you... Because it is your duty to stop when the light is red. And your compensation for that misdeed, that transgression, that violation is a ticket. Your following the rest does not make for your violation of the latter. Titus 3, verse 5. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the holy spirit so is it by works no even if you do works of righteousness that is not the basis for achieving the righteousness of god as a matter of fact in the book of isaiah this is what it reads for all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment and all of us wither like a leaf and all our iniquities like the wind take us away how does God look at our deeds of righteousness if we present those deeds of righteousness to him so that we would be counted as worthy, so that we would be declared righteous before God? 
I don't have it here. But in the Philippines, what do you have? Dirty rags. Some of your underwear are recycled. <laughs> you laugh, Teacher Pao, because you know it is true. <laughs> yes. They become rags. They become filthy rags. And how dare we present to God, God, you have to accept me because I did what you asked me to do. Duh. How about your problem of sin? Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How about those? What do I do with those? We try to achieve the righteousness of God through works. We also try to achieve the righteousness of God through obedience. Is obedience a good thing? Parents, would you love it if your children obeyed you? Hindi yung, yes mom, yes mom, yes mom, but they're not doing anything? Have you done your homework? Later mom, later mom, later mom. Why? What are you doing? FB, FB, like, like, like. <laughs> I like obedience. I like it when I, I tell my wife or I tell my kids to do something and they follow. Wow. I don't know about you guys. I feel so blessed when I'm obeyed. But does obedience in and of itself achieve the righteousness of God? Galatians 3 verse 10. For as many are the works of the law and are under curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law. To what? To perform them. So if you and I desire to achieve the righteousness of God by obeying the law, no problem. You just have to obey the law 100% of the time. And oh, by the way, you have to obey 100% of the law 100% of the time. And if you, according to the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, if you choose to try to get to heaven, because we all fall short, by obeying the Ten Commandments, you're under a curse. In Tagalog, ano yun? Sinumpaka. And this comes from the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 27, 26. Cursed is he who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. And all the people will say, Amen. Will you amen to that? Will you say amen to a curse? How can I obey the law? Number one, I don't even know the law. Mm -hmm. Not reading your Bible. I don't know the law. What does the law say? Simplihan na lang natin. What is the first commandment? Exactly. That's exactly what I mean. What's the first commandment? <laughs> See? I rest my case. Panero, I rest my case. What's the first commandment? <laughs> Thou shalt love the Lord your God. You will not have any other gods before me. 
Thou shalt love the Lord with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, with all thy strength. Are we able to do it? No. That's why you are under a curse. If you choose to achieve the righteousness of God by trying to obey the law, you must obey the law 100%, 100% of the time, 24-7, no sick days, no vacation days. God demands perfection just as He is perfect. But of course, we are humans and we try to rationalize. Instead of looking at the standard of God, what we do? We put our eyes down, we look to the left, we look to the right. We can't look backwards. I don't have eyes in the back. And see the people around us and we say, well, whoever keeps the whole law, he's a good man. Yes? The book of James tells us, this man is a good man. Whoever keeps the whole law, he is a good man. He desires to obey. But what's the problem? He stumbled at one point. And what does God say? He has been declared guilty of all. If you break the law once, you become a law breaker. If you sin once, you have become a sinner. If you have stolen once, you become a thief. If you have lied once, you have become a liar. That is the standard of God. And man continues to try to achieve the righteousness of God by his capacity to obey. I have not done that, Pastor. I have not done this. I have not done that. But occasionally I get mad. What does God have to say about that? The anger of man does not what? Does not achieve the righteousness of God. Ginalit ako eh. Jesus got mad. Yes? But Jesus is righteous. And His act was righteous because the people were making the Lord's house as a den of thieves. They were swindling people who came to worship by their false weights. So when Jesus got mad, He was within who he is to get mad albeit it was a righteous anger it was righteous indignation we try to achieve the righteousness of God through works because we can't reach God we all fall short we try obedience we also try religion Romans 10, 1-3, Paul writes, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. Now, he's talking about his own fellow Israelites. He's talking about his own fellow Jews. And what is his prayer? My prayer is that they may be saved. But in the eyes of the Jews, in the eyes of the Israelites, ah, we are the chosen people. Therefore, because we are Jewish, we are saved. Because we are Jewish, we're the ones going to heaven. Right? What did Paul say? My heart's desire and prayer for them. Is what? They may be? So are they saved or not? They're not. Their religion has saved them. 
Paul is praying for them. My heart's desire for them is that they might be saved. Why? Why? What do they do that is not acceptable to God? Verse 2, For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. So just being zealous for something does not make it right. Right? Just because you're passionate about something doesn't make your passion true, doesn't make it right. They were passionate for their religion. So passionate that they devised all kinds of additional commandments. I testify about them that they have a zeal for knowledge, but not in accordance with God. Verse 3, For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. To the traditional Jew, those entrenched in Judaism, they are still waiting for Messiah. Notwithstanding that they read, and they can read in Psalm 22, the description about who Messiah is, how he would come, and what would be done to him. They're still waiting. And I've shared with you before that when I was able to go to Israel, I was on the top of Mount, the Mount of Olives, and I noticed that there were several burial plots. So I asked uh, our guide, his name was Doron, parang Doron. Doron, uh, why do you have all of these burial plots right here near the Mount of Olives? Oh, because the Bible, and when I say Bible, it's the Old Testament. The Bible says Messiah will come on the Mount of Olives and the graves will open and the dead will rise. So these people want to be the first. <laughs> I, that's what he told me. That's what he told me. So they pay a lot of money to be buried there because they believe that when Messiah comes on that mountain, the graves will open up. So the Jew are still waiting for Messiah. They do not want to subject themselves to the righteousness of God. They want to create or devise their own set that pertains to righteousness. Religion. We try religion to achieve the righteousness of God. They still do it. Well, when Jesus came, and we learned several weeks ago that God gave the commandments to Moses, but Jesus in the New Testament, in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount, he explained it. And Jesus said, I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. These are not ordinary churchgoers. These are the religious elite, the scribes and the Pharisees. They would have to memorize several huge chunks of the Old Testament. 
particularly the five books written by Moses. Shall we pull out a piece of paper and test ourselves what the five books are? <laughs> they had to memorize the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus. I knew you read your Bible. They had to memorize. Memorize. For you to become a Pharisee, you have to memorize. Five books. What have you memorized? Our usual favorite, Jesus wept. <laughs> I have another one for you. It's from the book of Philippians. Rejoice. You like my memory verses, huh? Maybe CCF Main, they will all move here because our memory verses are very short. Jesus Christ himself told the people, unless your righteousness surpasses those of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I researched uh, somewhat. They are so enamored. They are so entrenched in the law and obeying the law so that they do not violate the law that they expanded the law they added 248 commandments to the original 10 248 to the original 10 and an additional 365 prohibitions to ensure that they did not even reach having to deal with the 10 commandments it's a Sabbath. You are not to cook on the Sabbath. So you cook the day before. Because on the Sabbath, you shall do no work. So you cannot kill the chicken on the Sabbath. Right? So you cook your meal before. But the chicken laid an egg on the Sabbath. You have to kill the chicken. But you cannot kill the chicken on the Sabbath, so you wait the next day. I'm serious. You cannot walk a certain distance on the Sabbath because that would be construed as work. So, this is my house. I will tie a string. I'm still at home. <laughs> you laugh. But this is how they do it. I'm still at home because I have a string. In Ben Gurion Airport, we were waiting for our flight. I saw these religious people. They have the phylactery, parang dice, leather dito. They have the prayer shawl, and they first face a certain direction. So again, I asked, uh, excuse me, uh, what are they doing? They're praying. Oh, uh, if you don't mind, why do they pray that way? Oh, because the Bible says, with your whole being, you must pray. 
I'm not kidding. You see, people can so be focused on obeying the Word of God that they miss the whole point. God gave us ten commandments to show that we are not able to achieve the righteousness of God. And what did they do? Instead of using the Ten Commandments and humble themselves before God that they can't reach heaven because of who they are, let's expand it. Masyadong madaling hindi sumunod sa Ten. Dagdagan natin. I mean, God already gave us Ten. We can't even complete the first. And then you add 248 and then you have 365 prohibitions. So that you don't even get to discuss the first ten. Religion doesn't work, friends. Unless your righteousness surpasses those of the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, there's this famous Pharisee. He fell on a horse. Off of the horse. Fell on the horse. Baliktad, ano? He fell off the horse. Hirap talaga dito sa Amerika. He fell off the horse. How can you fall on a horse? <laughs> this is what he said. The Apostle Paul says this. Although I myself may have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. In Tagalog, daig ka lang lolo ko. Iba, eh, lolo ko, ganito. Eh, lolo mo. Paul is challenging us. You want to compare notes? You want, to, you want me to show you my diploma? You want me to show you my birth certificate? If that's going to be the basis, none of you are going to be able to compare to me. He says, even if I have the confidence in the flesh, I far more. What he's talking about. He was circumcised on the eighth day. Exactly what is written of in the Old Testament. That when you have a male child that is born, you must circumcise that male child on the eighth day. Of the nation of Israel. Not only of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, the favorite. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Meaning to say, both his parents Hebrew. He's not some kind of half-breed. No intermarriage. So his line, his bloodline, right? Now as to the law, what does he say? A Pharisee. He's not just an ordinary human being. He's a Pharisee. He's not just an ordinary Pharisee because he was at the top of his class. He was not just the top of his class. He was trained by one of the most respected rabbis, Gamaliel. So his biodata, his CV, can compare with anyone and he'll be on the top. Okay? Now what does he say? As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. Now, can we compare to Paul? Do you think Paul, because of who he is, do you think he believes that he has the right to go to heaven? Look at his attitude in 1 Timothy 1.15. 
It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Notwithstanding who he is, notwithstanding what he has achieved, he looks at himself as the chief of all sinners. Even if he's a Pharisee, even if he's of the Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, found blameless, how does he look at himself? I am the chief sinners. So religion does not achieve the righteousness of God. If works does not achieve the righteousness of God, if obedience to the, even to the commandments of God does not achieve the righteousness of God, if religion, even true religion, does not achieve the righteousness of God, then what is left? I submit to you. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul writes in Romans 3, But now, Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is a righteousness that is given freely by God. And it has appeared in the person of Jesus Christ. It makes no distinction of who you are, what you have done, where you've been, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're rich, whether you're poor. There is a righteousness that comes from God that is through faith by, from Christ. Why? Because all of us don't make the grade. God had to provide a righteousness for us. It continues, being justified as a gift. The righteousness of God cannot be worked for. It is freely given. It is a gift. It is a gift by His grace. How? Through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So this gift of eternal life, forgiveness of sins, and being declared righteous before God comes through faith in Christ. How did God achieve this? Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. This was to demonstrate His righteousness because in the forbearance of God, He passed over the sins previously committed. He promised in Genesis chapter 3 that a Messiah would come, the seed of the woman. And God did this now through Jesus Christ at Mount Calvary to display Jesus Christ as the propitiation for our sins. That Jesus Christ was the one, the righteous one of God, who went to the cross on our behalf to pay for our sins. Why? So that God, because God does not change, He said the wages of sin is death. Someone has to die. And only the righteous one of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, was worthy enough to go to that cross on our behalf. He made it a public display so that anyone could come to faith in Him who died for us. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ 
Because it continues, For the demonstration I say, His righteousness at the present time, so that He would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. That's what I said. What if God changed His mind? He changes His mind as far as the formula for salvation is concerned. Then He's no longer just. He's no longer worthy of our faith because He keeps on changing His mind. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the first and the last. And when He says, I save you through my Son, Jesus Christ, that's it. And that will never change. And nothing you can do if you have Christ will separate you from the love of God that you've now discovered in Jesus Christ. He did this to be just because His justice must be met and grace and mercy and justice met each other at the cross. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ. How did He do it? He made Him, Jesus Christ, who knew absolutely no sin to be sin on our behalf for what purpose so that we might become the righteousness of God in him it has to be in Christ Jesus when Jesus hung on that cross and for the first time he called father God God my God my God why hast thou forsaken me I believe it that was at that point that all of our sin and all the sin of humankind fell on his shoulders and I believe God had to look away because this is his one and only son having to go through this for you and me so that His justice could be carried out, so that His grace could be understood and accepted by us who do not wish to acknowledge His righteousness. See, against all odds, even Abraham, who was promised that he would be a father, that he would be a father of many nations, that he would be a blessing to all nations and through his seed all nations will be blessed against all odds God gave him the promise Abraham at 75 you're going to be a father of a great nation but 75 and by the way your wife Sarah she is old she's beyond childbearing years and her womb is already closed up so how is it gonna be that I would be a father that I will be a father of a great nation. That through my seed all nations will be blessed. How shall it be? It can only be because nothing shall be impossible with God. And what did Abraham do? All it required of Abraham is to believe. Then he believed in the Lord. Abraham's object of faith was the Lord who could fulfill his promise. Then he believed in the Lord. And what did God do? And he reckoned it to him as, reckon, as righteousness. What do you mean by reckoned? It's an accounting term. 
Those of you who are familiar with accounting principles, you have two sides of the balance sheet. You have the debit and you have the credit. Right? God. When Abraham believed in God, God put a credit on Abraham's side. That credit was righteousness. Because Abraham believed in God, God credited it to Abraham as righteousness. God imputed righteousness on Abraham. And the Bible tells us that even the faith to believe comes from God. Abraham believed. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Galatians 3.11 says, Now that no one is justified by the law before God, for the righteous shall live by faith. We have to believe in God. We have to believe in the promises of God. And we have to believe and live out this truth in our lives. You see, I shared with you about Paul and all of his achievements as a religious leader. But it's not by being religious that one comes to faith or achieves the righteousness of God. After Paul had given us everything that he had achieved, he writes, But whatever things were gained to me, those I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. In other translations, it will read rubbish. It will read trash. Everything that he has achieved, he considers as garbage for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and have counted them but rubbish that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. And who is Christ? The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul lost everything. He lost his position. He lost his power. He lost his prestige. He lost his possessions. Why? He turned his back on everything else and went to Jesus. I count everything rubbish. Rubbish. Those of you who have Rolex, throw them away. Over here, over here. <laughs> he says, I count them rubbish. Everything I have achieved is nothing so that I will not rely on my righteousness, but I trust in the righteousness that comes from God, which is through faith in Jesus Christ. It is through Jesus Christ. And we are supposed to live this faith out. If we call ourselves Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, we must be living a life of faith because the righteous shall live by faith. What do we do? Some of you have this as your favorite verse. 
Seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Yes? Ah, there's something in between. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then all these things will be added to you. But we like to memorize scripture. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. What happened to the righteousness of Christ? It's gone. Yes. <laughs> That's what I've been saying all along. Friends. Yes. Look at this. First, you must seek the kingdom of God. Good luck now. First, let's give her a big hand. First, you must seek the kingdom of God. And what is God's promise? If you knock, the door will be open. If you seek, you shall find. If you ask, it will be given to you. Ask, seek, knock. So what is God telling us? Seek first. Prioritize your spiritual life. Seek first the kingdom of God. If you've found it, then you walk in righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Now don't tell me later on, Pastor, I've done that. Why am I still poor? Why don't I have the money? Why don't I have the blessing? God never promised you. He promised a blessed life. He promised an abundant life. But many people equate this to material possessions. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. Are you seeking for the kingdom of God? Are you seeking for His righteousness? If you have not, this is what the Bible tells us. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. And what's the result? For they will be satisfied. You want to be at peace? You want to live a satisfied life? Seek His righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. No. Hunger and thirst for God's righteousness and you will be satisfied. Look at Romans 8, Romans 10, 8 to 11. What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. Many of us know. Many of us thirst. Many of us hunger for a deep relationship with God. It's right there. It's like when someone asks you and you know the answer, what do we say? It's right on the tip of my tongue. Paul is telling us the answer is right there. It's near your mouth. It's near your heart. What is it? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You're going to receive the kingdom of God. You will be saved. How? For with the heart a person believes, resulting in what? Righteousness. And we're trying to achieve what? The righteousness of God. 
So the righteousness of God comes from your profession and confession of faith in Christ. Confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. Why? With the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses. Not here. We all know so much about who Jesus Christ is. We're so much bombarded with, with information when elementary, high school, college. So much information about who Jesus Christ is. But God is looking for Jesus Christ in the heart. What we know about Jesus Christ, allow it to trickle down to your heart. Believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. And then out of the overflow of your heart, speak forth your confession of Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you believe in your heart, what will you have? Righteousness. The righteousness that comes from God, which is through faith in Jesus Christ, not by works, not by religion, not by obedience, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And I close. Why? Because He, Jesus Christ, He Himself, no proxies, no other one except Jesus Christ Himself, He bore our sin on His body on the cross. For what purpose? Just to save us? Just to add people in heaven? No. He saved us so that we might no longer sin, that we might die to a life of sin. And what? And live for righteousness. How? Because by His wounds, you and I, we have been healed. God has healed us of the cancer of sin through the death of His righteous one, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if God is able to heal us from the cancer of sin, God is able to heal us from any and all kinds of cancer. God is able to heal us from all kinds of messed up relationships. God is able to heal us in our problems with our finances. But first, come to God. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It's your choice. You have to make that decision because even if Jesus Christ died for all of us, each and every one of us must individually come to the foot of the cross. And just say, Jesus, I need you. I am separated from you because of my sin. And I realize that I cannot do anything to be counted worthy to be part of your kingdom. I acknowledge you as the only one who can bring me to heaven. And because you promised, I realize that with you in my life, through faith in you, as I experience the grace of God, I thank you. Have you come to that point? 
that you can honestly say that you're not trusting in your works. You're not trusting in your capacity to obey. You're not trusting in religion to save you, but you're just trusting Jesus. The righteousness of God that comes through faith. Abraham believed and God credited it to him as righteousness. That same promise is available today. Because as God does not change, so do his promises do not change. 